Well, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Mfun, host of No Hot Smoke, the show you are obviously listening to right now. We are recording from Houston, Texas today. I want to thank you guys all for listening in. I want to thank you to those who listen to the show with Tatiana. We got some really good feedback for the last show. Uh, some of you, one of you guys wrote in asking if Tatiana can talk about um, Nigerian movies. And Tatiana is not a Nigerian movie expert, but maybe she'll come on the show and on another topic that's probably relevant to the theme in which she has an area of expertise. So thank you guys for listening to that show. Thank you guys for those of you who always tune in. Thank you. Thank you to those of you who listen on www.afritalkz.com. And for those of you who stream our shows on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, so thank you a million times because without you guys, we wouldn't have the motivation to really continue this show because it wouldn't really be reaching anybody. So thank you guys again. So I think you guys are going to be excited for today. So today's show, we have a special guest. And this special guest has been on this show before. And when she came on the show, you guys were like, oh, she's amazing. Maybe not with that inflection in the voice, but we definitely got some good feedback from this special guest. So we are going to be rolling out this series. And the series is going to be focused on what you guys in the diaspora are actually doing to, you know, bring positive change either to your home country, to your parents' home country, and really the motherland as a whole. But what you guys are doing right now. So we do profile stories on people that are um, maybe what they've done, what they're what they're uh, getting into and doing, but we want to profile stories on people that have been doing these things for a, quite a long time, for a number of years. People that we've been having on the show, uh, you know, it's been maybe a few years in that they've been doing these types of projects, but we want to let you guys know that it's possible to do things w without living in Africa and have it be sustainable over a certain number of years. So we're going to be rolling that out for people that have been doing projects 10 15 years outside of uh the motherland so i wanted to lay the groundwork for that show which is why we're doing this today and we're going to focus on children and raising what is now a popular term people say raising conscious children and which is kind of funny when you think about it because consciousness is not a it's not a new thing being conscious is not a new thing and neither are having kids. So it's like the buzzword these days, raising conscious children. So I decided what better person in my personal experience to bring on the show to talk about how they raised conscious children. Originally, this was supposed to be a two-person show, uh, I mean, two, two guests show. So, but the other person, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Uh, so it's just a one-person guest show, and so I want to welcome my mom to the show. Mom, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. How's oh, everybody doing? Mom, you can't you can't take my opening. You gotta do sorry. You gotta do something different, mom. Like say something in Ibibio or Spanish or something like. There you go. There you go. There you go. You guys are probably like, oh, you're so mean. I really don't mind spending, sharing the spotlight with my mom. Like, mm -hmm. I really don't. But 
<laughs> apparently my mom disagrees <laughs> no I, mean, you know, I don't mind sharing the spotlight with her i just wanted you know i wanted her to have her own little pizzazz added on you know oh, anyway okay. so mom today i know you heard about what we're talking about about you know children and raising conscious children and yes. you know conscious parenting conscious children it's kind of like this buzzword this buzz phrase i'm sorry that people use a lot today and so uh i mean is that something that you've has that before i even ask that that's even a phrase or terminology that you've heard for those of you for those of us who don't know you go ahead and tell us uh how many children you have and whether or not you feel that they're plugged into their feelings about life and other people? Well, I have four children. Uh, one girl, of course, the one I'm talking to right now, and uh, three boys. Awesome. And your follow-up question, whether they plug in, I'm still working on some of them. <laughs> A couple of them. <laughs> A couple of them are plugged in. One plugs in a lot more than the other, and the other one is working really, really hard to plug in. Oh. And the other, the other, the other two was to were working on it. It's um. The work and they, them, they themselves are working on it, so it's. I'm I'm glad they're in the right track. That's you know that's a good thing. Awesome. They're in the right track. That's good. So was this something that, you know, because people always. One of the things that people always say, they're like, oh, you and your brothers are so nice. You guys are so nice. And I don't really know how else to be. I don't really know. This is this is how it was. This was the expectation I was raised with. Be nice to people. You're not better than anybody else. Do you think that uh, having, do you think that that was something that you guys purposefully instilled in us or do you just think it's just a byproduct of the society you were raised in and the expectation that you and dad had growing up on how to interact with people i think it's a combination of a lot of things mm -hmm. like the term they're using right now you know the conscious term that everybody's using right now mm -hmm. it's something that has been around for the longest time forever and ever and ever for me i just call it good Mm -hmm. We always used to say good children, good parents, nice person, this and that. And now it's all tied up into one nice term called conscious children, conscious parents. These are the things that we've always been doing, a combination of a lot. Uh, the society will rest in, yes, it did encourage you to be nice and be conscious. I mean, we're raised in the village. Mm -hmm. we, went to the, we went to the creek or stream to collect water. Mm -hmm. So you see somebody older than you, an older woman, you said, let me carry that for you. So you, you saw the need and you carried a bucket or a pot of water for them, mm -hmm. or better yet, the widow or the older people, which are senior citizens. Mm -hmm. you, you go to the stream and collect money, I mean, collect water and bring it to them. Yeah. They didn't have to go to the stream because they can't walk. They have arthritis. They, you know, they have issues. They're old. So you make sure that they are Pots are filled up with water. And this is the things that kids used to do it. The parents will send you out to go and do it. And so growing up in that society, that's the way I was raised. And that was the peer pressure that we had. Us was a positive peer pressure. 
So people that didn't do those kind of things were like, oh, your child doesn't do that or you don't encourage your child to do that. So it was actually a positive peer pressure environment that we grew up in. Doesn't mean that there wasn't any negative one, but positive was bigger than the negative. Interesting. So we, we grew up in that. And so purposely, we decided to continue that to raise our children to be that way to be aware of the need of mm. people because I think sometimes it's easier for you to do it if you're aware of the need. Yeah. And it's difficult to do it if you're being forced to do it. Yeah. So the whole goal was to try to uh, let the kids uh, teach them how to be aware of the needs of other people. And so because if you're aware of the needs, then you will be able to, uh, you know, be help to them do out. something about it. And remember, when you guys were growing up, I used to say, use me as an example, you know, mm-hmm. get something for me from others there, you yeah. know, do this for me, do this for me, start learning from me. And then we progress to, you know, go outside yeah. and do it for people. You know, it's a, I'm glad you mentioned awareness. So uh, let me give you guys a definition of it. I, I wanted my mom to give an example of it. So let me give you guys a definition, definition of it. And there's different definitions. So this is Marion Webster. I'm sure there's also Oxford English Dictionary, but we're not using that. We're using Merriam-Webster. And Merriam-Webster says that conscious, there's different definitions. Having mental faculties not dulled by sleep. We're not talking about that one. Uh, Perceiving, apprehending, or noticing with a degree of controlled thought or observation. Uh, Personally felt, likely to notice. Done or acting with critical awareness. um, Capable of capable of or marked by thought, will, design, perception. So this is what Miriam Webster says conscious is. Amazing, right? Amazing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's a good co-host. She's just going to co-sign. Good co-host. Way to be, mom. (laughs) It's it's, it's totally, I mean, it's it's true, you know. So so my, sorry, mom, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, So with that in mind, People say, you know what, you guys, because my parents are Nigerian, for those of you who don't know, my parents are Nigerian, and I consider myself a Nigerian as well, and I also consider myself to be very aware of what is going on in Nigeria, and part of it is, at least in my experience, part of it is this sort of, there's a certain level of awareness that you're raised with as, as children. What's going on back home? You know, my dad would always tell us stories of back home. You know, he, if, if, if we all got the story. I walked X amount of miles to school, no shoes. So, <laughs> yes, we, we all those, did that. We, we got those stories, too. <laughs> we all did that. So, uh, but he would talk about the history, the people, his experience. I want parents to talk about it. So we were always kind of, there's a certain level of awareness that we had. And but when it comes when it came in terms with connecting that awareness to perceiving a need, if your people are like, well, if you're not really in the society, it's kind of hard to perceive that need. And for a lot of us, my generation or maybe a younger generation who might have never who might not have been back to Africa since their parents left. I want to ask you, mom, because you were kind of in that situation. Okay. We didn't go back until, I mean, I went back earlier, but the boys didn't go back until they're well in their adult life, 
graduated from mm-hmm. college and grad school. College. Yeah, graduated from college. And so how do you as parents or as parents who are in a situation where they can't afford to go back, maybe they don't have help to, you know, look after the kids, to take their kids back, but they just cannot afford or they're not in a position to take their kids back to their home country. How can parents still raise their children in the diaspora to be aware and kind of conscious of what's going on in a country that they've never even seen. It's kind of a toughie. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of people, if you tell them stories about it, which mm-hmm. is what we used to do for uh, to you guys, we tell you guys a lot of stories, of some, stories. Really, some really bad stories <laughs> and some really good stories, you know. So my whole thing was I didn't want you guys to have this one-sided view. Oh, Nigeria, Africa is so bad. Or, oh, this so, it's so great. I, you know, I didn't want you to have this glossy picture, you know, that is very nice. And I didn't also want you guys to think Everybody has uh, all the children are walking around barefooted with a pot belly and flies flying all over them, yeah. like we see on TV. I didn't want you to know, that, you know, to have that. That that's not the that's not the only thing about Africa that you see. So for a lot of parents that either cannot go, as was a combination of number one, we didn't really have uh, legal status to go early, mm-hmm. and uh, number two, you know, money was uh, an issue also. But be that as it may. For those parents that either they don't have the legal status to go, which I think is probably the biggest thing for a lot of people, mm-hmm. or they don't, they cannot financially afford. I mean, I thought Nigeria is was expensive to go, but other countries are even more expensive to oh, go. Oh, hundred percent. East Africa? Are you <laughs> so kidding me? They're even more expensive to go. So if you if they can afford that, it doesn't mean that we cannot still plug in to the motherland. You can still you can tell them the stories. Everybody comes from different experiences. And yeah. so from people that came in here as maybe like refugees through because of war, mm-hmm. they might have a whole different experience than me. True. So and they might be raising their children differently than me. Mm. And so because of sometimes because of your experience, you might not really want your children, you know, attached to the motherland because of your bad experience, because of your situation. So you might not even want them attached to the motherland. I just want to encourage all of them today to, you know, even with that experience, to make an effort and see the good. I know somebody must have done something to, uh, you know, make your experience very terrible, but let's try and see the good. But for parents, I mean, for parents, they can still do that by just telling them the stories of how things used to be, yeah. you know, if things are not the way it is anymore. And even if you cannot help somebody in your own country, you can still plug in and help somebody in another country. Okay. So it doesn't really have to be somebody directly related to you. Otherwise, all this charity organization will not be doing anything yeah, because none of, none of them is related to us. Yeah, that's a good none point, them, Mom. Helping somebody. None of them is related to us. Yeah. So you can still plug in and help somebody else that is suffering or needs help in another country. Because I can understand if there's a, a war situation, things might not be easy to try and get help. Or be, you know, so they're definitely can, we, not easy. Right. So yeah, we can right. go a different route, 
to do something to another person in another country, yeah, you know, yeah. that is, is either by joining organization. So we can still do that, but it takes a lot of, um, talk about conscious, you have to consciously do it. As a parent. Cons- as a parent, you have to consciously steer your children in that direction. And you yourself have to consciously do the things you want your children to do. I see. So, so you can't just be talking and not doing. You have to do it. So, so as an example, do you mean? Um, as an example, for example, um, for the longest time, uh, I mean, a situation was different, but for the longest time, I would go home and I see people, and you know, there will be. You know, this and that. A lot of people, people always say, oh, people are always asking for this, asking for this. Not everybody are asking for anything. You know, not everybody comes to you and asks for something. But I went home one time and... Wait, just for clarification, Mom. So people in diaspora will sometimes say that when they go home or when other diasporans go home, that yeah, those people, people back are, home are always asking, asking for them whatever. For, for whatever, for things. Yeah, for okay. things. You okay, know. got it. But uh, my whole idea for me, I always think, what can I do to help somebody? So one time, a few years ago, I went to a church and I saw this dynamic young preacher preaching. I'm like, hmm, this guy is smart. Hmm. I said, wow. So I found him like, does he have a college degree? He was preaching in a village church. Yeah. I said, who is this guy? And they told me, say, oh, he went to a preaching school. And I did not know this boy from Adam. I have. Absolutely no idea which village she came from. Yeah, at and, that time. And, and some people might not. Some, some people might not. So the, there's two phrases here. I do not know this boy from Adam and village church. Okay. So for those of you that do not have a passport Sorry, from the motherland, guys. no, 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 no. So guys, a village church. Let me tell y'all. Village church is a church that's not in the city, but also doesn't None have does. the amenities of a church in the city. Think about the amenities that a church in the city has. A village church ain't gonna have it. This church that I went to, let me tell you, they have what is called a pit latrine. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a flushing toilet. Okay? Nope. A nope. pit latrine. And that is yep. what I used when I went to visit. Anyhow. Yep. And then I don't know this boy from Adam. So my mom uses this terminology all the time. And I don't know if it's an I don't know if it's a Nigerian thing. I suspect I it know. is. I suspect it is because Nigerians say things. I think Africans say these. Africans say stuff sometimes, and you're like, yeah, I don't know if that's you know, I don't know if that's really <laughs> clever or if that's really crazy. But it's funny either way. So I don't know this boy from Adam means he's a perfect stranger. Cause guess what? Completely. Nobody has seen Adam ever. Nobody in this life has seen Adam. So. <laughs> Which is exactly what it means. He's oh my goodness. Complete, that is a good one. Thank you for complete fixing stranger. that. <laughs> no, because mom, I said it one day at work and I said, oh, I don't know such and such from Adam. And they're like, which Adam? I'm like, oh, my poor American friends. I'm oh, not talking so about funny. a real person now. <laughs> so I had to, I'm like, oh, it means I don't yeah, really know he was, him. He's a perfect stranger. He was yeah, a perfect, perfect stranger. stranger. That's what she means. And um, I inquired about him and found that he... I mean, like I said, he was preaching in the village church. He sounded very, very smart and intelligent. Mm-hmm. And and only for me to find out that he tutors French college students that are doing French. I'm like, how is he tutoring college students that are doing French when he himself has never even been to college or anything wow. like that? I mean, I said, wow, this guy must be super, super smart. I know he was born in the Camerons. But he came back when he was maybe, I think, 
10 years old or something like that. So he still had that retention, that yeah. language retention. Okay. But he but he's also been, you know, teaching himself to keep it up. Oh, he so did. he tutored some college students. And I went to him one day and said, Are you, would you love to go? What would you like to do? He said he would like to be a translator. That's mm. what he would really, really like to do. He would like to be a translator. You know, he wants to do languages, French, and that sort of thing. I said, okay, if somebody helps you to go to college, because he has a wife at that point, he has two children. I said, if you can get, I'm telling myself this, if I can get this boy to be independent, financially independent on his own. Yeah. That's that's his wife that he's going to take care of. That is two children that he's going to take care of. He himself is going to. So that's like one, two, three, four people that are going to be independent. And then hopefully they will be able to pass that on and take care of somebody else. Yeah. So we made a decision to uh, help him. I said, well, you can go to college if you want to. I will sponsor you. So he, my first, first, first big project. I've done some mm. little ones, but mm. this was a big one. And I tell you, it was not easy. But mm. it's almost over, complete stranger. And it should be graduating at the end of the year or early next year. So wow. by the grace of God. So it's been uh, a big a lot of a big a nice and wonderful journey, but I can I can tell you it wasn't easy. But we set out that we will do this, and you know your dad and I just focus, and you know, and sometimes we might have to just cut down on whether we go out and eat or not, so mm-hmm. that we can get that money to his school fees and his uh, what he called language immersion program, which he had to go to a French speaking country and stay for nine months. So oh, you wow. have to, yes, they so have to do that. He was away from his family for nine months. He's been away from his family for nine months. Wow. So you have to go to a French-speaking country and stay for nine months. But this one, he did it in Nigeria because there is a, a city in Nigeria that speaks French. And I forgot what the name it is. Which a lot yeah. of us don't know. Yeah, there's a city in Nigeria that speaks French. Completely French. So he had a choice of going to Cameroon or go to this uh, city in Nigeria, but they travel in and out of West Africa during that nine months to do a lot of traveling to the other real French speaking countries. So, so that was uh, wow. my first thing. And I told my kids about it and we talked about it. And, um, and so right now with that project, a whole lot of other projects are opening. You know, we have three people, you know, one in college, uh, uh, two in college, one in high school that is going on right now. So next uh, year is to get the whole family involved, you know, to actually be, okay, we're all doing this as a family. So that's what is going on. Wow, Mom, I didn't know that y'all had all that stuff going on. I mean, I knew about the, the, the preacher guy. Yeah, some uh, of them are just some are just a new addition to the to the foundation, so they're just starting out. So. Amazing, good. See, mom, good for you. Good for you. Gold, gold star for you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's, that's I'll take really, that. Yeah, that's really awesome. So, if that's the case, then do you think it's possible to raise children that have a, a deep connection to the motherland and yet have never ever been there? Yes, uh, the answer I will just answer you flat out. Yes, it is possible because I've seen other people do it. Yeah. I, for me, I don't even think I did such a good job 
of raising conscious children that deep has a deep connection to the motherland. I've seen other people, fellow Nigerians. I mean, when I said Nigerians, you have to excuse me. Those are the immediate people that I'm very, you know, around with. So I've seen a lot of people do it. And I look back and I look at what they're doing. I said, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done this to my kids. I wish I had done this to my children. So a lot of, yes, it is very, it's very possible to do that. Like I said, you might not be able to do it to your own, you know, relative, somebody from your own village, your town, your own country, mm-hmm. but it is very possible. It just takes the awareness of for you to consciously or aware, however you want to use that word, mm-hmm. you know, say, I want to help somebody. Okay. So then I want to help somebody. So then my question is, as you see Nigeria growing today, uh, you're living in the U.S., as you see Nigeria, you know, growing as a country, do you see more or less conscious people in the society running the government? I mean, you know, how how has the how has the consciousness evolved in Nigeria? And it's really a, a mushroom effect to Africa as a whole. The reason why I ask this question. Well, or, let, me tell, let me tell you why I ask. Let me tell you why I ask. Let me tell you. Why I ask. Uh, yeah, sure. Tell me why you ask. I ask because. I sometimes hear from people that were born and raised in Ghana. Ghana is an exception, I'm sorry. Born and raised in Nigeria, uh, other West African countries, um, particularly Nigeria, that they say, you know, the Nigeria that I grew up seeing is not as... The Nigeria I grew up seeing is better than the Nigeria that I am seeing now in terms of, you know, simple amenities and things like mm-hmm. that. And okay. for those of us in raised with Western democratic thought, we're like, oh, but the Nigeria you grew up seeing was ruled by dictators or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. so we just kind of have this automatic recoil. For the East Africans, I've heard different things from East Africans. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm like, okay, why is that? And when I go home, the people that are my mom's generation, and I'm not going to give away her age, but she looks like my sister, so you probably couldn't guess her age anyway. <laughs> but that's what people tell me, and she loves this. If you guys want to just like, I totally my mom, do. Just be mm-hmm. like, oh, you look just like your daughter. Is that Thank your you. I'll take it. She's just gonna be, she's gonna flip her dreads and be like, oh. I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, my mom likes a little bit of limelight, you guys. I do. So Thank I will you. hear from people from your generation, um, and they're like, man. What's going on in Nigeria? It's it's crazy. And I'm like, okay, people from your generation, I notice that there's a different expectation in terms of being nice. They expect people to be nicer. And yet with people from my generation are born and raised in Nigeria, the expectation of that nicety is 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 not there. And maybe that's because I wasn't raised in your generation. But you know, for example, I was in KK one day. Those of you that don't know what KK is, there are these yellow tricycles <laughs> with a, a canvas or a fake leather roof with uh-huh. no doors okay no doors. no door just a panel literally <laughs> if even lucky to get a panel mine never had panels okay no doors and i was like i we passed by and it was raining and this one lady was carrying firewood on her head and i was like oh 
I said, let's stop by and give her a ride. And the driver was like, nah, you can't give people, he's, he's in pigeon. He's like, you can't give people rides just like that. I said, why not? He said, you don't know what she's going to do to you. I said, she's like my grandmother's age. And the firewood is, so he stopped by and we gave her a ride. And he's like, mm. he said, people don't do stuff like that anymore. And I was just like, I, I was appalled. And so that is very true. I went on and asked my uncle and he's like, yeah, no, he's like, if we, he said, if my father had found out that that was, if that was, if this was back in the day and my dad and daddy had found, or Papa had found out that I had passed somebody by the road carrying firewood on her head and she was old, I didn't give a ride. He said he, he would have given me a beating. Mm-hmm. And good so thinking. I was, good, yeah, good thinking. So I want to ask you, do you notice the culture of nice, the, the nice, the, the nice culture, right? Being nice to people. Is it different from what, how you were raised or? Yes, it's different. And that's like a whole different show, my dear. So that will be like, it's a big topic. It, it's a big it's topic. very, it's very different. Your KK driver, or your tricycle driver, he's totally correct. People don't do those kind of things anymore. And I remember asking my cousin many years ago, when I went home, something happened and I said, hey, don't kids help at old people anymore? Mm. They're like, uh, no, you never can tell. You go and help somebody and you wind up with a witchcraft. I'm like, what? Witchcraft? Mm. So that was, I was so shocked to see that. But, it, you know, the the, the, diff, the level of being nice is very different. The expectation is very different. Even the, the surprising thing is that even the parents, people my age mm-hmm. that were raised to be nice, are not even raising their children to be nice. I guess that's so, the that's where that's, that's where the ball the gets problem. dropped. Oh, because those children that they didn't raise to be nice are mothers and fathers now, and they're not doing that nicey business of oh, you know that conscious business anymore. But you have to look closely. There's a lot of people that there's a lot of things happening right now. All these NGOs that are trying to so many people are trying to help are yeah. trying to do the best they can. And the, the bigger picture is very, very, the bigger picture covers, wouldn't let us see the good that is coming out of the country because yeah. we always see are the negative. What we hear are the negatives, negatives, negatives. But we forgot that there's so many organizations right now. Like I went to an orphanage one time a few years ago to check out and see because we wanted to get something from Akisan here, the local chapter. So I went to this organization and I saw a bunch of, you know, writing, how do you call it? We call it notebooks at home, exercise mm-hmm. books or whatever. Mm-hmm. I saw a ton of it sitting down there and say, wow, who'd give this? And the lady said, oh, the Lions Club came and donated all these. Mm-hmm. And then she also tells me about this guy that has a school. And he came and said, hey, I will take any of your kids to my school if they can just pass this, you know, aptitude test or something. And so for the 50 children that passed the test, he gave them free education in his uh, elementary school, private school. He takes the, sends the bus to come and pick them up. He provides them with a uniform for this, you know, because yeah. these kids are from the orphanage. Orphanage in Nigeria, foster children, I don't know, you call it foster care here. There's no quote-unquote orphanage here. But he provided everything for them. And so every morning he picks them up and drops them off after school, five days a week. So people don't are doing mark. something. Yes. So... The the notebooks, let's just give some context for our listeners. The exercise books that you saw, this was when you went to Nigeria and you saw all these exercise books, right? Yes. Yes, okay. one of the trips, yes. Okay, that was on one of your trips. And Aki-san, for those of you, 
a lot of you that might not know, Akisan is, so there's different, 36 states in Nigeria, Akwaibom is one of the states. And the Akwaibomites that live in the diaspora have a diaspora organization called Akisan, which is pretty much a Akwaibom State Association of Nigeria right. in USA. Right. So we have cultural programs, we have cultural shows. Once here, we have a big convention. And, you know, people from different parts of the continent, I'm sorry, different parts of the world come out. UK, Nigeria, Australia, mm-hmm. all That's the Akwaibomites that are living Wherever you are living, they come out. I haven't seen anybody from Antarctica, but you know, who knows? So they they'll come, come out. One day. <laughs> I'm sure they'll come one day. <laughs> so they come to this convention in the U.S. and it's you know it's we have uh, different forums. Um, you know, we take care of business like electing the next Akisan president, and you know things of that nature. Sometimes government will send representatives. Sometimes the governor of our state, current governor uh might come we've had ex-governors come yeah so it's it's always a well attended and big event so that's that's what she's talking about when she talks about akizan i digress go on that's okay that's okay but um so like i was saying people are doing something on a bigger level on a small scale yeah some people just go to like the orphanage say oh i need to come and celebrate my birthday and even sort of go there buy food and and, and have fun with the children at the orphanage and yeah. even my uh, cousin who a uh, few a few months ago sometime earlier this year that works in this village slash town uh-huh. saw these desperately poor people and she said what how can people be living in a place like this so she took a picture and posted on facebook and boom it generated a lot of, you know, uh, concern. And even a lady at a church here gave us a check for $50 and which we, you know, took that money back and that money was used to, you know, purchase things for the family and all that sort of thing. Because of that, even the government got involved in that, but that's a whole different story. But it is possible to do these things. Unfortunately, the negative news, you know, outshadows the positive news. So things are going on that people are doing. But, uh, you know, the sad thing, like I said earlier, is that the people in my generation are not even raising the children like their parents were raising them. That is so that is that that becomes a problem. Yeah. They're not raising the children the way their parents were raising them in this. They're, they're not re- doing the conscious raising of their children. Uh-huh. Be nice, do this and that. But they themselves are still doing these things for people because that's the way they were raised. Yeah, I but see. they're not they're not passing that down to their children that you need to do these things, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a challenge. But other people are also continuing in that process of, you know, their children being aware of what is going on, you know, whether they're working in mom and dad's charity, whether they're, I mean, I've seen kids just say good morning to me, mm-hmm. good morning, and I'm saying good morning. I'm shocked. And then every, mm-hmm. everybody, just, a lot of them just pass you by. Yeah, you know? yes, yes. You said, ooh, don't people say good morning anymore? And then mm-hmm. when one says good morning, I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, how are you? Blah, 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 you know. And, said, that, wow. and, that, and, that's, and that's sad that a simple good morning is not an expectation. But mm-hmm. that's for a different, a different a, show. <laughs> different, these are all for different shows. So if that's the case, being that that's the case, they're, they're if you if you can boil this down into steps uh, in terms of 
parents living in diaspora, you're having these kids that they haven't been, they've never been back to your country, never been back to Africa at all. Uh, certain steps that you would tell parents, um, and and I would say maybe one of those is parents should be doing those things that they want their children to be doing. Uh, yes. You gave an example of, you know, you took on a preacher and you were paying for his school fees. This is a preacher that you don't know, you've never known. And and you you also want to also get us involved with that as a family, which I think is very important because it it's nice for you to do things on your own as a parent. But as a child, if you guys don't get us involved in things, then right. we're not going to know how to do these things. That is true. And so we can see, oh, yeah, my mom and dad do this. They do that. But it's it's, it's, like, it's almost like, you know, it's like running running a business, right? If your your parent can have a business. The, but if you don't get your child involved in the business, they don't know anything. They don't know anything about it. And they're not going to yeah. know how to maintain it, gonna... how to keep it up. Right. What that is do. true. So it's like the exact same thing. And but like you said, I think it takes a certain level of awareness to make that connection of, OK, I'm doing this, but I'm also going to pull my kids into this as well. And the second thing that you mentioned was telling your children about your home, telling them mm-hmm. stories. You have for, to. Yeah. Do you because for us, it was sometimes the stories and guys, let's be honest, it's not every time my parents sat down, sat down and told stories that we were just like, yes, let's bring out the popcorn. And this is so no, exciting. No, it wasn't like that. No. Okay. <laughs> let me tell you. Sometimes we're just daily like, stuff while we're doing things. And, mom, know, it was we're mom. Driving. Sometimes it was a lecture with dad. Okay. <laughs> it was usually you got a B or on a, on something like reading. And he's like, why are you getting a B in reading? And then, you know, you, what that leads in, the lecture leads into home and how there's all these people back home. <laughs> that's, that like, would, that's, that's what you guys call it. That would want your opportunity. <laughs> You're squandering this so opportunity. Yeah. And you're like, Dude, I took five classes. I got one B. <laughs> what thing? What thing? Oh my goodness! What's your problem? I, uh, right, that's what we're thinking as kids. I appreciate uh, all of that now because for me, um, I don't think that I would be as uh, plugged in, or maybe not. I wouldn't. I don't think I would be able to plug in as quickly if I didn't necessarily have uh, that connection, you know, through the stories and you know because when when the boys went home they integrated into society real quickly people were like real quickly <laughs> with, with like within a day people were like where yeah. do these kids live do they do they live in nigeria they live in nigeria do you guys, are you guys in abuja i'm like no. yeah that's true everybody thought they're in abuja i said no the or kids, lagos i said my boys i said my brothers they've never been to the u.s i like not nah, 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 lie nah, lie i'm like why do you say that they're like they don't act like american kids i'm like first of all how many American kids have you seen? They've probably seen a lot, but they they just integrated right into the society. Very and quickly, yes. I think for us, and I'm speaking for three grown men as I'm talking here, but I think a lot of that is the fact that you guys would talk to us about this is how home is. When you guys would mm-hmm. go home, you would be like, oh, this is what I did at home. I went to see this person or, you know, they're fixing up this road. And so we kind of had this kind of visual playing or people are like this at home. Or we and all, pictures, too. And we all we all we also had pictures. And so uh, in this day and age where you have I know I live in Houston and there are plenty of children that are and I'm going to call them children, plenty of uh, adults that have that are my age and younger that have never 
been back to Africa ever, ever in their life. And they want to go, um, but some of them want to go. Others don't have any um, interest any, at all. Others don't have any interest. And so since the whole show is about, you know, how you can use your diaspora experience to bring positive change to your home country or the motherland as a whole, I think it's very important to talk about because there's a lot of parents that listen to the show and there's a lot of young parents. And so how do you as a young parent begin to make this foster this kind of interest and connection in your child? Because I think that um, I know you guys love Nigeria with all of its ups and downs and all of its shenanigans. Uh, like you said, there's also a lot of good parts to Nigeria. And so you guys were sure that you guys did not hide that from us. You guys told us the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. And so when I went back, I felt like I was going, I felt like I was going, I felt like I was going to a place that I probably haven't been to in a while, even though it was my first time. But I felt that familiar with it. And so the initiatives that um, we're able to do here in diaspora with you know, either organizations back home or that we're doing things ourselves. There's some projects that I'm doing back home. It's really, and I guess it's the opportunity where I say thank you, mom. If dad was here with his sniffling allergies, I'm, I would thank you. I know, he has allergies. That's why he can't be on the show. And so, uh, you know, thank you guys for doing that and instilling that awareness in us because that awareness also transfers when we go to people's houses you know and the boys would go you know to visit you know either Auntie Grace in Rhode Island or or one of their friends parents houses you know when they're on school break and they'll do things like wash dishes or take out the trash or do things like that I think it's that awareness of perceiving the need if you see a full sink of dishes and mom's working boy girl you better wash the dishes out or put in a dishwasher or something you see an empty trash can and you, uh okay you have two hands and you can open the door why aren't you taking it out and so that what you guys did it kind of has this uh rippling effect into all aspects of our lives so in the because people love my brothers you guys let me tell you People love my brothers. Your brothers are so nice. The nicest boys we've ever met. They're so nice. I wish my kids were this nice. This is the feedback that, that I get as a sister. And it makes me very proud. But I'm also very uh, cognizant of the fact that that feedback came from years. It's still going on. Still 18 going on. plus years. <laughs> still going on. 30 plus years of, did you do this? Did you do that? Why don't you do this for your wife? Why don't you buy this for your wife? Uh, maybe you should do this this way. Maybe you should do this for your mother-in-law. It's still going on and it, it never ends. On. And I don't get annoyed with it anymore. I don't know. I don't know about the boys. Um, I guess it depends on delivery, right? I think you deliver these things better than dad <laughs> delivers them. It depends, depends on delivery. It depends on delivery. You know, it has to come at the right moment. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a constant exercise. And without that constant exercise, I don't think that I would be able to have the heart that I have today. And that I can honestly say with 100% guarantee. So thank you, mom. And you can, can tell well, that I thank think, you too. I thank you too. I thank all of you too for being receptive. Yeah. Because you can do all these things and the kids are not receptive. But it just I just remembered something and I wanted to touch in on how people in diaspora can 
connect. Apart from the stories that you need to tell your children and find somebody, uh, you know, that they can connect with that you or either as a family can connect with, you know, another African. It doesn't have to be from your home country again. Uh, that you can connect with, or if you find somebody from your own country that they can connect with and um, maybe just get some information and coordinate things. Language yeah. is a big thing. I know this lady, uh, so recently she's long passed away, but she's from Russia. But she, they moved, they immigrated to England with her husband. And the first thing she did, because the, kid, the kids are fluent in that language, first thing yeah. she did was put them in school. They were, they took lessons, mm-hmm. you know, because she's Russian and her husband is a Nigerian. I mean, oh. she was, she's right. So all the children are all fluent in that language. So what is the, took, that language? You mean her? her I don't know. I just said Russian. Now, yes, her home language. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think yes. she was from Ukraine or. Yes. I don't know where she was. They spoke. Just said they Russian. spoke. They spoke uh, Russian and USSR. Yes. I'm sure, she was part of USSR. Right. No, no longer. Right. Around. So when they went to England to connect with you know her own country and her own culture mm-hmm. and re- talk about raising this conscious children sometimes the language is also very powerful True. if they if they just know good morning how are you that sort of thing it 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 gets them connected and you never can tell it might lead them to being aware of some of the things and you know what, Mom? getting interested that's a good point because yeah. language is such an identity it's such a identifier to of who you are where you're from and i think when you speak the language you naturally you have a a natural affinity towards that culture right. and uh it might just be easier it's like for example when i when people when i meet people here that um i'm sorry when i okay when i was um in i served i did my nyc in plateau state they speak multiple languages in Plateau, but in camp, there was a lot of people that spoke uh, Hausa in camp. I don't speak a lick of Hausa, but when I met a Hausa person or Hausa different from the people of Plateau, I'm making this distinction. Okay? So when I met either Hausa person that spoke Ibibio or somebody from one of the Plateau people that spoke and understood Ibibio, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is amazing. And they're like, oh, they did. They gravitated towards me and it was all of a sudden like, oh, are you going to, you know, is there going to be, when are you guys, when are you going to come up here and bring your food? Your food is so good. They just had this natural, like, even though they might have been there for a month to visit their grandmother or something, but the, the connection to the language, just, they just had like this natural affinity to the culture. And it was very amazing to see and see it play out. But I know for myself, I speak more of my parents' language than my brothers do. And I feel deeply connected to the culture. It, it could just be because, you know, you're getting lectured on, you know, how not to be a brat when you're seven and how, you know, everybody <laughs> else back home would, <laughs> would, would, would want your situation that you're squandering. Everybody gets lectured I, not to be a brat. <laughs> look, mom, I've seen some kids in Nigeria that don't uh, get lectured on that's a whole different show. That not everybody is just gets lectured, like, Mama. Crazy. Not, not everybody gets lectured on how not to be a brat. I know but some see, bratty kids. Right. Myself. But that's part of this conscious, you know, raising of these conscious children. You know, I mean, I'm like, what is that? So they don't know how to do anything for anybody anymore. They're not nice. They're mean. They talk back to you. They throw tantrums. unnecessary tantrums. Unnecessary. Like, is that, 
emphasis on unnecessary. See, this, this yeah. is apparent because there's some tantrums that are like, okay, all right, I get some it. Some tantrums are legit. Yeah, and then sometimes <laughs> you're just like, come on now. So do you think that, um, you know, to kind of bring it back, do you think that us who are in diaspora, if we manage to raise our children to have that awareness and connection to the motherland, do you think that we will be able to do positive, I don't want to say do positive things, but what do you think we can do with that connection and awareness? Like, okay, so you're connected to the motherland, you're aware of it. How do you think we can use that to better the motherland? You've talked about something that you've done. Um, what other ways can, you know, my generation, Scooby's generation, my brother's generations, uh, my cousin's generations, how, they, how can they use that kind of uh, a, a connection to the culture to say, you know what, I'm going to do this nice thing, but they might not even know how that looks like because they've never been back home. Like, where do they even begin? You know, I, how do you as yeah. a parent say, okay, start here, go and talk to this person or think about this project? Or is that something that you guys tell them or is that something that you guys, that they wait for them to ask you or? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think for those here, for those of, you know, for the diasporans here that are raising their children, if you can get them a little bit plugged in, and I'm trying to just find that different ways that you can get them plugged in. Uh, if, like your cultural you know, organization. Yeah, if you can get them plugged in, like your cultural organization. State, Umo Ibo United, uh, there's Akifan, yeah, there's, there's Cameroonian so Association of America. Uh, and, it, and like I said, it doesn't have to be uh, some, if there's nothing available from your country, like for example, in this Aquaibum Association, there was a chapter in Florida, and I would mention it right now, mm-hmm. that actually had a Yoruba person as their vice president. Yeah. And this is the BB or something. He was active because there was probably nothing available for him, you know, mm-hmm. to his culture in that part of Florida. That part of Florida. Yeah. So he joined up with another uh, ethnic group. You know, and stay connected, came to the convention. We were so excited to see him and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And he's still active. Yeah. So if you can just get your children connected, there's a lot they can do now. Social media, technology. True. Some of them don't even have to step out of here. But if they love their culture, love mom and dad's culture and their homeland, and they can sit here and do a lot of changes, you yeah. know, Online, like Mm. I mean, there's so many things to do on social media to do because you might not be able to put this person through school, but you can take care of a whole generation by a lot of things, by a lot of things. You can take care of a whole generation by a lot of things. It's a a big scale. There's a big scale and then there's a little scale and then there's a, you know, intermediate scale. We're doing the little scale, individual things for different people. And you can step up and do a a bigger umbrella join with another organization here that are doing all these medical things and, you know, social things. So you can join in and contribute while they send money out to go and take care of, you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot that they can do. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to be part of the culture. So I guess there's three main things, right? There is uh, do you as a parent do what? It is that you want your kids to do. Yes, um, you have to set that example because it's not necessarily do as I say anymore. 
Yeah, it's not. It's not. (laughs) Sure isn't. That that, that, that system is not, doesn't work anymore. System doesn't work in our household, man. No, it's do what I do. Yeah. If it's positive, then go for it. If it's negative, too bad. You shouldn't be doing doing that. Right. So do as you want them to do and then get them plugged in in what you're doing. Right. Right. Connect them through stories and get them connected through activities by plugging into with other social organizations that are not of this, they might not be of the same ethnic group or the same country, but you know, they might have a, whether they have a a focus on Africa or whatever it is, but there's different activities. It could be a dance group, you know, Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Say if you're, you know, say if you're from DRC, uh, say if you're from Congo, I always call it DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. It's just, if you're from Congo, but you don't necessarily have a large Congolese population, but you know that, that's, you know, there's a Nigerian dance group, you can get that's them involved a good in one. that way. Yes. Yeah. And so I also like, there's a lot of these AfriFest, uh, these African festivals that are in different mm-hmm. cities. I mm-hmm. know that um, in Gilbert, in Arizona, there is one coming up, I believe in September or October. It's a Nigerian festival. And so going to things like that, looking at the different you know, foods from different ethnic groups or just even people, other Nigerians that have businesses or other Africans that have businesses in the area. Uh, There's a Nigerian parade coming up in Houston this weekend. And uh, so there's so many different things. And but like you said, I think it all boils down to you as a parent. Yes. Aware and conscious of what it is that you're actually doing. These things don't happen by accident. My brothers are not. And don't get me wrong, I'm probably very hard on my brothers, probably harder than I need to be. But I recognize that they're very generous and very nice um, men. And I'm glad that they are that way. But I don't think they happened. They didn't just happen into niceness and happen into generosity. I mean, I can remember a time when my mom would make my brothers like split a candy bar and like one would have his candy bar and he wouldn't want to give it up. And she'd be like, OK, got to share this with your brother. And it was just like the hardest thing for him to share his candy <laughs> bar with his brother. You could see he was like, you could see the little three-year-old mind was going like, what the mom? I you know, whatever three-year-olds say, they probably don't curse. But he was probably just, you could see it on his face. And just the splitting of the candy bar was so hard. And it wasn't because she, it wasn't because he needed to split it. I think it was because she was like, you need to learn how to share. And you're going to share your candy bar because you love candy a lot. You love candy a lot. And you know what? If you cannot share the things that you love a lot, you're not even going to be able to share the things that you love, that you like a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, these these little things like that. So I'm going to be taking notes. I'm taking copious notes, mom. So I'm also the person that says when I have children, I'm just going to have my mom come out to whatever state I'm living, whatever country I'm living, and she's just going to have to be babysitter and whatever else. <laughs> I'm just, just putting right. it out <laughs> just putting it out there. So okay. my child will have a lot of uh really good examples. And so thank you, mommy, for yeah. your leadership in the family and for taking your time out to be on the show. I know you thank have you. guests in the house. You have things going on, but you know, it's always nice to talk to you you know have, have, i love it I have love the it. peeps talk to you as it's, well or have the peeps hear you you know yeah it's a good thing it's a good thing I'm, so i'm glad i thank you for inviting me to the show and um 
And I Any just last wanna word for our listening. Yeah. I wanna thank everybody out there for supporting the show. Sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. And um have your feedbacks, you know, she tells me about the feedbacks and all the things that are going on and I love it. Thank you so much. Yay. Appreciate it. You know, you know she's an African mother because first of all, she said she's thanking everybody that she's never met. <laughs> And then she's saying, God bless you. <laughs> because hey. what is a thank you without a God bless you? Okay. What is a thank you without a God bless you? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, y'all. You got to get it in there. Yes. <laughs> it's got to throw it in there. Yeah, so, God is there. This is my mom. It is possible to live outside of diaspora and raise children that are plugged into your country and plugged into what is going on in your country and have this need to want to be a part, an active part of making that country a better place. So thank you guys all for listening. Mom, sometimes we like to sign off. We like to, not sometimes. We like to sign off with a goodbye or a hello. This time we're doing a goodbye in your native language. So of course I know it, but I want you to, you know, say something in your native language for our our listeners like you want me to make a sentence or something is that what you mommy let's not make this complicated okay. <laughs> just, just say a goodbye a sentence two sentences in your Afan, native language <laughs> all right y'all we will talk to you later bye